Looking forward to ministering God's Word today. Let's get right into our message. Are you ready for God's Word? Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful opportunity we have to open up this great book called the Bible. Thank you, Father, that you love us so much that you wrote a book about yourself so we wouldn't be intimidated by you, we wouldn't be in fear, but we would understand your great love for us and your big plan that you have for each one of us. Thank you that you love us so much that you don't leave us the way we are. You're always wanting us to grow. You're wanting us to go to the next level. You're always wanting to challenge us, and we believe that the way we walked in today is going to be very different than the way we walk out of this sanctuary today today. We're so grateful for you, Jesus. We're so grateful that you're alive and well, and that same spirit that raised you from the dead dwells in us, and it quickens us and makes us alive. We give you all the honor, all the glory and praise, and all of God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Again, happy Resurrection Sunday. Uh, Today is a focal point in world history. It is the greatest event that has ever taken place. And the purpose for Jesus coming to earth is, was to live a miracle life, um, was to come and live and then die on a cross for all of mankind's sin, and then on the third day to raise from the dead just like he said he would, all for one purpose. And the purpose was that love would conquer all the limitations that are upon man stopping us or hindering us from being the best we can be in God. That's the good news of the gospel. All the limitations get removed. Whatever stands in the way of you being the best version of you, thank God for Jesus today. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is not only the defining moment between B.C. and A.D., it can also be the defining moment in your personal history also. You have your Bibles turned to John chapter 5. We're going to start there in a moment or your favorite digital device. You can follow along on screen here in a moment. We're going to read from a text today that might not be the typical Easter text, but you're going to understand the why of resurrection. You know, when you can understand your why, everything seems to make sense. If you're in a business, if you're in an institution, if you're a family, if you're a business owner, when you can understand your why, the how and the what is not nearly as important as your why, because the why always supersedes everything else. Find the why, and you can start over again or understand your purpose. We understand our why as a church, and we want you to understand your why, the why of resurrection. I've entitled this message today, When Life Breaks. When Life Breaks. John chapter 5, starting at verse 1, it says this. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. What I love about this story already is God always sees the one. I see a large number of people today. I see a crowd. But God always sees the one. Jesus always sees the one. He sees their circumstances, and he's willing to enter into those circumstances and do something about it. There's a man with some dire circumstances here in our story, 
And Jesus enters into those circumstances and immediately makes a difference. Verse 5 again says, One who was there had been an invalid, unable to move and function, for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Verse 8, Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. Every Sunday here at IFC, I like to give a big takeaway. The one main point I want you to go home with, you're going to hear many things today. And as a communicator, I want to make sure you go home with the main point, the one thing that you can go home and build the rest of your day and the rest of your life on. So our big takeaway today, what I want you to go home with is this. When you don't know how something works, you'll not know how to fix it when it breaks. Isn't that true? We're going to unfold this today, help you understand how to apply that to your life. Have you ever had something in your life that just wasn't working and you did not know how to fix it? See, in my line of work, it usually wraps around families where we don't understand the complexity of of a woman's or a wife's feelings or how to unlock her husband's heart or how to understand these teenagers. Or maybe it might be how to make and keep healthy friends, figuring out the friend thing. Or the money, how to make money work for me, the career, how to get that working. Or how to deal with these fears and anxieties and insecurities. Or or what to do with myself because I've gone through some things that have lasted a lot longer than I ever expected and I, I don't understand why. I understand why I'm still in this place and I just can't fix it. I don't know what's going on in my life today. Well, I understand technology. I do. I, I, I enjoy it up until it breaks. <laughs> Anybody here like that? Yeah. Man, you're great at technology as long as it's working. But when it goes down, you need help. Why? Because you really don't know how it works. In our house, usually there's a phone call to my son, Jay, or there's a phone call to my son-in-law, Alex, and and they always come to our rescue. And how many of you have a Jay or an Alex in your house, right, who comes to your rescue? Or maybe maybe some 12-year-old in your house who knows how to make it work better than, than you do. I don't know what Bible version I was reading, but somewhere in the Bible I was reading, and it said this, that on the eighth day, God made the IT department. (laughs) It's got to be in there somewhere, right? You figure that's got to be in the Bible someplace, someplace. See, it's a difficult thing to admit that your life or parts of your life are not working like you want them to. What I love about Jesus, since he had a front row seat in creating this world, and since he had a firsthand um, effort and, and, and involvement in creating me in my mother's womb, the good news is Jesus knows how to fix us. Jesus knows how to understand us, our deep feelings, the issues of our lives. He knows who we are, our good days and our bad days, because he had such a direct role in helping create our lives. Back to our text. One day, Jesus decides to go to the pool of Bethesda. 
This was the pool where the sickest of the sick were colonized. This is a pool where people that didn't fit in the mainstream of society all gathered. This was a place where no perfect people were allowed. Bethesda means house of mercy. It's a pool that was right outside the sheep gate. So you can imagine what this place smelled like. You can imagine all the reviews on TripAdvisor. I would imagine that this was not a destination hotspot, right? Being right outside the sheep gate. So it wasn't some place that you would go on purpose. It was some place to go because you had no other place to go. And of all the places of Jesus to go, and of all the places where Jesus went, he went to a place where others had no other place to go. This was the last resort. This was the last opportunity. This was where you go when all hope is gone. When Jesus arrived at the pool of Bethesda, he surveyed the situation, and you can imagine what he saw. You can imagine the hundreds of people with dire conditions and situations that were very overwhelming to life, and, and he has to start somewhere. I believe Jesus picked out the worst of the worst. And he found this man who's been there for 38 years. Because we read in John 5, 5, one who was there invalid for 38 years when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? He found the one that seemingly was the impossible situation and felt like this was a job for Jesus. And I believe God, through the Holy Spirit, is still looking for those seemingly impossible situations. Maybe you have an impossible circumstance you're dealing with today. You don't know how to make that work. You don't know how to make that marriage work. You don't know how to make those finances come together again. You don't know how to make this business work. You don't know how to help yourself. Your health is so wrong and your family is so dysfunctional and you feel like it's an impossibility for, for you to do anything about this and you need some divine intervention. Let's talk about this man that Jesus picks out of the crowd of hurting people We don't know his name. We're not ever told his name, but we do know his condition. Isn't that like life, that people will name you after your condition, not after who you really are? Oh, you're you're that alcoholic, or you're that man that stepped out on his wife, or you're that control freak, or you're this, or you're the addict, or you're the workaholic, or you're this, or you're that, and we name each other based on our condition when God sees beyond our condition today, and He knows your name. He knows where you live. He knows you're a real person. He knows that there might be a condition that might limit you, but He goes beyond the condition today. Many years ago, when I read about this man, I, I didn't quite get him. I didn't, I didn't really understand his condition. I, I, I felt bad for 38 years, but, but, but he seemed to always make excuses. You know, I, I can't get in there when everybody else wants to get in there. But only until I understood years later how unfair life could be that I began to understand this man. Only when I began to experience circumstances that lasted a lot longer than I ever imagined did I begin to understand this man. Only when my heart was broken... Only when I didn't feel like it was fair of what happened to me that I could finally begin to relate to this man and finally be able to understand the plight of this individual that was far worse than my condition for 30 
eight years. I didn't understand how over a period of time, people actually begin to relate more to their circumstances than any other part of their life. Their consuming circumstances become their reality. They wake up in the morning, and there it is. Throughout the day, they try to think about work and other things, and there it is. They try to go to bed, and there it is. They wake up in the middle of the night, and there it is. And they try to do other things and go on vacation and work hard and go back to school, and there it is. And we begin to relate more to circumstances than the reality of the rest of our lives. We begin to relate more to the regret of a past mistake, or we relate more to the sadness and the despair of, of, I wish I paid more attention to the loved one who committed suicide, or I wish I wouldn't have stepped out on my marriage and made such a terrible mistake that hurt so many people, and the regret of, of past failures, and, and our circumstances seem to be all around us and we're reminded all the time when we look at this person or that person or ourselves or the condition that we're living in and we're overwhelmed by life. Everywhere this man looked were blind people, depressed people, broken people, hurting people, people in pain. Everywhere he looked, there were people that were broken. No one was whole and no one was in their right mind. This man's life was broken and so was everybody else's life around him. And sounds like how life can happen to us when all hell breaks loose against us. And often in those dark seasons, we wonder, will we ever get better? Will my heart that's broken into a million pieces ever be put back together again? Could I ever love again? Could I ever start over again? Could I ever do that again? And then we go to a place where religion tells us how bad we are and all the rules and regulations. And we wonder, why is God always seemingly so mad all the time? And why is he this parent that seems so hard to please? And if we get overwhelmed by life because those inside the church, those outside the church become stuck in a system that keeps them feeling hopeless and seemingly no way out. That's the man in our story. He says, there's a system here. At no notice, the waters begin to stir. The waters begin to bubble, and the first person that gets in is the person that gets healed. It's a system that's unfair to me. I have no one to help me. I have no one to guide me. I don't have the strength in my legs to get in on the, on, at the right time. And the system is just unfair. I can see the water stirring. I've seen it for 38 years, but I can't do anything about it. I'm so close, but I'm so far away. It's got to be the worst feeling in the world to know you have love for your spouse, but you can't reach them. You have, you have compassion in your heart for that broken person, but they won't listen. You have in your heart the right tool to unlock the door of that teenager's heart, but they won't listen. You understand the potential of that business idea, but it just seems like it can't get off the ground, right? You're, you're, you're so close, but so far. This is how this man felt for 38 years. And when he finally admitted his helplessness, look at the next thing Jesus did. Jesus changed it. He fixed what was broken. What needs to be fixed in your life today? Who needs to be fixed in your life today? What is it that doesn't seem to be working like you always wanted it to be? 
and you need it to be fixed, but you feel so helpless and overwhelmed and you can't bring about change. Verse 8 says then, Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and he walked. Jesus shows up and he says, you know what? You're right. This system is not fair. The people who need the most help can't get it. So many times I preached this message and I stopped right at that point. And what a great point to stop. Stop. The man was cured. Pick up your mat. And he walked. We all rejoice and say, yes, what a great story. Jesus came through for this man. Jesus healed the man. And, and what an awesome place to stop. But, but I didn't realize that, that, that only in the light of resurrection did the rest of that verse get my attention. It's amazing how the rest of the verse changes the rest of the narrative. Verse 9, at once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. Is this a pointless detail? Or is this the real story? Do people hang out and camp out at the wrong part? Or is this the why for resurrection? Does this introduce a whole nother dimension of the story that we often miss because we didn't keep reading? The Sabbath in the Jewish culture was the system that really governed so much of the people's relationship with God. There was actually 39 laws that applied to the Sabbath. The 39th law about the Sabbath was what you could lift on the Sabbath and what you could not lift on the Sabbath. There was a weight limit. You could pick up a utensil to eat, but you could not pick up a tool to work. It was a crazy system. It was a system that didn't make sense. John 5, 9 says, At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked, and the day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, Awesome! Wow, it's about time. Let's interview this man on CNN and Fox News. We're so excited. Get up and tell us your story. Man, you're a walking miracle. Wow, miracles still happen today. This is amazing. Is that their reaction? If you know the story, you realize that wasn't their reaction at all. Verse 10, so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath the law forbids you to carry your mat. Seriously? 38 years you've been bound. 38 years you weren't right. 38 years you've been separated from your family. 38 years of hopelessness and heartache. 38 years where you had no life. 38 years day in and day out you were bound to your circumstance and lived on that mat. And all you have to say is, that's not legal. It's like I give you a dream car, and all you can say is, does it have satellite radio? <laughs> this man is walking. It's amazing how religious people will totally miss how far you come, only to see what you're still doing wrong. Wow. This man's walking. He's carrying his mat. And all they see is, that's not legal. All that I see is you're not supposed to do that on the Sabbath. See, the mat 
represents my sin. The mat represents my humanity. The mat represents my failures. The mat represents those areas of my life I'm still working on. The mat represents my insecurities. The mat represents my shame. The mat represents my guilt. The mat represents all those areas of my life that I know I'm working on. Jesus lives in me. I really want to do right. I really want to do what's right, but i am still got issues in my life I'm still working on. Be patient with me. I still have all these things in my life, and I want to say to you, tell your neighbor, quit looking at my mat. Verse 11, but he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up the mat and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. The man didn't even know it was Jesus at that point in time. He didn't know it was Jesus. He said, all I know is I couldn't walk. All I know is I was bound for 38 years. And this man told me to pick up my mat, that I was cured. And I picked up my mat and I began to walk. Sometimes God is working in your life and you don't even know it. You don't even know it. God is this master orchestrator who's masterfully orchestrating aspects of your life while you're sitting here enjoying this Easter service outside those double doors. God, the master orchestrator, is working on your behalf. He's fixing things that don't know how to be fixed. He's working on your behalf. The man had no clue that Jesus was working on him, that it was him. But Jesus loves fixing broken lives. He loves fixing broken things. That's what he does. That's who he is. And he's working on your behalf today. What could he be working on your behalf right now? Why did Jesus care about this man's mat? It's 38 years old. It's probably worn out, moldy, gross. It's useless. It's unnecessary. Why did Jesus ask him to pick up his mat and to walk. Well, several things. The first thing that would come to my mind is what a great testimony. Others could see him carrying his mat. Wouldn't that encourage them that one day a miracle could happen to them and they too could carry their mat? But I believe the bigger point of this is Jesus was challenging a system that failed man in the first place. Jesus was a teacher of the law. Jesus knew the 39th law of the Sabbath. He knew very well that this man could not pick up his mat. He knew it was against the law. He knew it was, and he did it on purpose because he said, today is the day I challenge the system. Today is the day that we challenge the system that kept man bound. Today is the day that we challenge the system that kept man broken, the system that wouldn't fix you, the system that pointed out all your failures and all your mistakes, Jesus said, this is why I've come. This is why I'm here. Because the rulers of that day, when they found out it was Jesus, they wanted to kill him. Jesus did this on purpose to set up his death, burial, and his resurrection. He set up the why. He said, my time is coming soon. I have come to die to fix a broken system that kept this man and millions of others just like him paralyzed, broken, with no hope. Wow. 
1 John 4, 9 says, This is how God showed His love to us. He sent His one and only Son into the world so that we could have life through Him. This is what real love is. It's not our love for God. It's God's love for us. He sent His Son to die in our place to take away our sins. See, man's system makes us slaves to fear. Man's system makes us slave to power, makes us slave to bigotry and prejudice, makes us slave to our sin. See, man's system failed. And we need to understand something, that we all want our circumstances to change. But Jesus came to change the system that contributed and created our hopeless circumstances. Wow. That's why Jesus came. That's the purpose of the resurrection. That's the purpose of why he suffered, why he shed his blood, why he died like he did and three days later rose again just like he said he would because he understood when life breaks, only Jesus can fix it. When life breaks, man's system, a government system, a political system, whatever system it might be that you've relied on that has failed us more than once, like the man today, you tried the pool waiting for something to happen, and it didn't work. You tried the government, it didn't work. You tried religion, and it didn't work. You tried depression, and it didn't work. You tried bitterness, and it didn't work. You tried complaining, and it didn't work. You tried depression, and it wouldn't work. You tried your own will to work real hard, and it didn't work. You tried excuses and blame, and it didn't work. And when you don't know how something works, you won't know how to fix it when it breaks. None of our lives outside of Christ work right. Because of sin and rebellion, we are broken. The law was powerless in fixing the system. Our own efforts are powerless from ourselves to fix ourselves. But Jesus came full of love, full of grace, suffered and died and rose again and destroyed once and for all the cause of our hopeless circumstances. When life breaks and you don't know how to fix it, Jesus is the answer. See, Jesus on that day on Calvary, his hands were stretched out as far as they can go. In fact, they went so far, they dislocated his shoulders. So far, he said, I'm dying for everyone. I'm dying for the heterosexual and the homosexual. I'm dying for the addicted and for the one who always seeks approval. I'm dying for the religious and I'm dying for the clueless. I'm dying for the rich and I'm dying for the poor. I'm dying for every man and woman, no matter what their circumstance, no matter what their plot and lot in life is, no matter what's going on, Jesus died for whosoever will today. Every one of you are covered. Every one of you have an answer today. Every one of you have the answer that needs to fix the situation in your life. That's the power of the cross. That's the power of Jesus today. Amen. Jesus is speaking to someone here this afternoon, and it's saying to you, it's time to pick up your mat 
and walk. He's saying to someone today, it's time to stop wallowing in your self-pity and get up and do something special with your life. It's time to pick up your mat and live today. Live today. Live like you've never lived before. That's the power of the resurrection story. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ died for sins once and for all. One sacrifice covers all of us. Amen. A good man on behalf of sinners in order to lead you to God. And here is a life-changing statement. Puts it all in perspective for us today. Our old history ends at the cross and our new history begins with the resurrection. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. to the altar the father's arms are open wide forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of jesus christ and mistakes come today there's no reason to wait Jesus is calling bring your sorrows and trade them for joy from the ashes a new life is born Jesus is calling yeah oh come to the Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with The precious blood of Jesus Christ Oh, come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, What a God we have! How fortunate we are to have Him, this Father of our Master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven, and the future starts now. Jesus came to confront man's system. That's why he was born, that's why he lived, that's why he was betrayed, that's why he suffered, that's why he died, that's why he rose from the dead. 
when life breaks and you don't know how to fix it, Jesus is the answer. You see, people want a faith they can trust. They want a faith they can rely on because they understand that they really, life can make no sense. Life doesn't, we don't understand our purpose and why we're here unless Jesus comes into our heart. Jesus makes life make sense. Jesus makes our purpose and our meaning come to life. Life is not a waste when Jesus lives inside of your heart. Do you know how to be forgiven? Well, Christ has already done the work on the cross. He has already died for our sins and He already shed His blood for you and He already suffered and died for you. And the good news is He didn't stay dead and He's alive and well and He's willing to forgive you of your sin today. Come into your heart and change you from the inside out and give you a brand new beginning. And what do you have to do? All you have to do is believe that God loves you. Believe that Jesus died for your sin and be willing to say yes to Jesus and ask God to forgive you from your sin and declare Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. Amen. With every head bowed, please, and every eye closed. In a moment, I'm going to ask you who need Jesus in your heart today to raise your hand in just a moment. Now, there's no power in the raising of your hand. When you raise your hand, all you're signifying is my inside decision. I'm letting you know, Pastor, that I need prayer today. But the upraised hand means in your heart you know that you need Jesus today. And when you raise your hand, you're saying, yes, I need you, Jesus. Yes, I want my sins forgiven. Yes, I want a new life. I want a new beginning. And the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable day of your salvation. You're here and you say, Pastor, I need Jesus today. I need my life fixed today. I need my sins forgiven today. I'm ready for a brand new start today. I'm not going to embarrass you or even ask you to come forward today. I simply want you to acknowledge, I need Jesus, Pastor. Pray for me. If that's you, will you raise your hand nice and high so I know who you are today? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So many hands today. Thank you, thank you. Keep them up. Thank you, thank you. God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh my goodness, thank you. Thank you in the back. Thank you on the side. Wow, thank you. Yes, sir, I see it. Thank you. Who else today? All the way in the back. Thank you. I see it. God bless you. Over here. Thank you. I see it. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Yes, sir. I see it. Thank you. God bless you. Yes. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. Who else today? Raise it up high. Man, today's your day. Today's your day. Jesus is your answer. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, ushers, for your help. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see it, sir. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. I see it. God bless you. Who else today? Wow. Yes. Thank you. God bless you. Good for you. What a personal decision you're making today. God bless you today. Over here, yeah, thank you. Thank you. All the way there, ushers, thank you. Man, almost that whole row. Thank you. I see it, ma'am. God bless you. Thank you over there. Ma'am, I see it. Thank you. Yes, I see it, ma'am. Thank you. God bless you. Wow. You can put your hand down. Who else today? Yes. I see it. Thank you. Good for you. I see it. God bless you. Awesome. How precious. The young and old today are saying yes to Jesus. Who else? Put it up high today. You joining us online, you're a part of the service today. 
So please open up your heart. We want to pray for you in just a moment. But that hand is so important today because you're saying, yeah, I'm ready. Oh, I do need this. I'm not ready to do life by myself. I can't fix myself. I need Jesus to fix what only he can fix. The system did you wrong. The system wasn't right. The system kept you bound. The system categorized you and pointed a a judgmental finger at you and said you're no good because of the color of your skin or because of your sexuality or because of your nationality or ethnicity or age or sex. Man, the system is broken. That's why Jesus came today to fix the system today, to help you be free today, to help you know. Amen. Jesus puts us all on the same level playing field. There's room at the cross for you today. Anybody else? Before I pray. Man. Let's all bow our heads. Pray this with me, please. You online, join me. Pray this with me, please. Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life. I believe you died for me. And that your death pays for my sins and provides me with the gift of eternal life. I invite you into my heart. Forgive me for my sins. By faith, I receive this free gift, this free gift of salvation. I acknowledge you as my Lord and my Savior. You are the one that can fix me. And my trust is in you. From this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord praise today? Yeah, hallelujah. Wonderful. Congratulations to each one of you. Pastor Josh will come in just a moment and give you some more instructions today. So please don't leave. Two things before you go. If you've not been upstairs in the second floor lobby, you need to see how beautiful the second floor lobby looks. It's beautiful. All decorated for Easter. Man, they did an outstanding job. Thank you for all of you who worked so hard to make that look so beautiful upstairs today. Please go upstairs and look. And last but not least, we start a brand new series next Sunday entitled One Month to Live. What would you do if you knew you had one month to live? How would you live? What choices would you make? What would be your priorities? This series is not about dying. It's a series about living. I want to make sure you live like you've never lived before. It's a six-week series. We're doing something different. We're actually reading the book, One Month to Live. You can purchase that in the hub, um, or you can go online, Amazon, get the, uh, the e-version or or, or, or the audio book, whichever you prefer. But I would encourage you, please join us for the next six weeks. It's going to be an awesome, I believe, destiny-altering series. I would love to see you next week in our three services. Happy Easter, and I give you full permission to eat as much food as you want. Enjoy.